here we go. It's hard to believe. It's November the 1st in the year of our Lord 2023 as you listen to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday. And usually on Wednesdays, we go through the book of Proverbs. But today, I figured the readings for this coming Sunday are so important that we want to touch at least both of them this week. Because today is All Saints Day, where we remember the saints who have gone on before us into heaven. We celebrate it this coming Sunday. We've already gone over the reading from Revelation chapter 7, and that was describing what heaven is going to be like. We did that on Monday. Then the epistle from 1 John 3 we touched on, but what we haven't talked about is the Holy Gospel from Matthew chapter 5. 1 to 12, part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain. And the word blessed is used numerous times. Now, if, if you were to ask a fellow member of the church for the definition of being blessed or a synonym for being blessed, what would they say? Well, in the world, people use the word blessed differently than does the Bible. In the world, people may use the word blessed simply to talk about being fortunate or being lucky, like they win the lottery. Oh boy, what a blessing or they get a promotion, or they get to the next grade, or they get the date that they wanted, and they call these blessings. That means they were fortunate, lucky to have them. But that's not what the Bible means by the word blessed. The Bible means that you are divinely, happily, favored by God. And that part of the blessing is that you are fully satisfied. Now, we know that when judgment day comes and we go to heaven eternally, we are going to be in bliss. That means to be really fully satisfied in all things. But what we don't realize is that satisfaction occurs also here on earth when you are a member of the Holy Christian Church. Now, sometimes we don't recognize being satisfied. And so this is why it's important to take a look at Matthew 5. It begins, verse 1, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. That's why we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And when he sat down, 
his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then comes all the blessed. Now, this is a reminder of what happened at the transfiguration, where God the Father said, listen to him. When Jesus speaks, you are hearing truth, whether you recognize it or not. So let's take a look at these blessed. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, sometimes it's read, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that gets us into a wrong understanding that not only when you're rich are you blessed, but also when you are poor and kind of in poverty. But notice what it says. It's those poor in spirit. What does that mean? Well, we've said it a million times on this program that every religion in the world outside of Christianity attempts to get right with God by doing good works. They attempt to use within them some kind of means by which God will favor them. Now, see, this is exactly backwards from Christianity. God does not favor you because you are doing good works. You're first favored, then you do good works. We've used the example of a child being born into a family. The parents do not consider their child to be their own part of the family because the child does good works. No. The child is part of their family because he or she was either born or adopted into the family. That comes first. And then they begin to do the good works of the family. Good works always follow being joined to the family. It's the same with Christianity. You get joined to Christ first by the Holy Spirit in giving you faith. And when you have that faith, that's trust in the promises of God, one of the things you realize is that you are poor in spirit. You don't have the ability to do good works, to trump your sin, to offset your sin, to balance out your sin. Because many of our good works are done for a selfish reason. But there are times when we do good works by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're really called fruit 
of faith. Remember what Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The branches do not produce fruit unless the vine, which is in the ground, is a proper foundation. You have a dead vine, you'll have no fruit. We are part of the vine of Christ. We're the branches. We bear good fruit because we have faith in Jesus Christ. So we are blessed when we are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to do what we do in every liturgy, is to confess our sins. Being poor in spirit refers to repentance. I, a poor, miserable sinner. Don't we say that? We have sinned against you, God, by thought, word, and deed. What we deserve is temporal and eternal punishment. That's a spirit that recognizes its poverty in extending to God good works to save oneself. Why are we blessed? Because when we repent of our sins, we're happily favored with the forgiveness of sins which means God no longer holds us accountable for our sins. And he does that because of the death of Christ on the cross, who was held accountable for our sins. So the poor in spirit are those who recognize they are poor in spirit, and they are blessed and happily favored by God. Remember, it's the ministry of John the Baptizer who indicated the sins of different vocations. And as people repented of those sins, God favored them with the forgiveness of sins. The second blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That kind of follows from the previous one. It doesn't necessarily mean the mourning that may take place at a funeral where you are in great grief. Now, there's no doubt at a proper Christian funeral, you are comforted by the message of your loved one who was in the faith is now in heaven. But we also mourn over our sins. In fact, repentance includes not only being sorry for our sins, but also being in grief that we are the ones who have put Christ on the cross because of our sins, 
God the Father asked his Son to be our Savior. We mourn over that. And when we mourn over the death of Christ, then what does that day become? It becomes Good Friday, a day that is one of the saddest in history where the Son of God unjustly is put to death for my sin, but also we know he will be rising from the dead for my justification. So as we mourn the death of Christ, we're comforted by the fact of what he has done. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what's the opposite of being meek? It's actually being boastful. The, the meek are those who are not boastful, reminding us of Ephesians, where it says that we are saved by grace, through faith, not on account of works, lest anyone should boast. And a recent reading from Romans 3 helped pick that up, where it says, what's happened to our boasting? Our boasting of our works is gone, because now we boast of the works of Christ, because he is the one who has saved us. That's what is meant by being meek. So when you ask a Christian, well, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And they say, oh, I sure should, because I go to church every Sunday, I read the Bible, I talk to my kids about religion, I do good works at my employment, that's all garbage. Paul did a lengthy list of who he was. And he was really looked up to by many other Pharisees. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He employed and followed the ceremonial laws to a T. And yet he considered it all rubbish in comparison to the work of Jesus Christ, if he would consider that those things he did were what saved him. This is the difference between Christianity and everything else. Every proper Christian faith teaches that Jesus is the reason for the season, that Jesus is the one as to why we will inherit even the earth. Six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Well, there, the definition of blessed is pretty clear. 
you're blessed because you get satisfied. Now, people think, well, how can you be satisfied when you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness? That is not something that unbelievers do. They do not hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. That's what this is talking about. Remember Luther in his early life in the monastery, he not only was angry at God because he thought that God said he had to be righteous in order to be saved, he actually hated God because when he did his confession of sins, it was lengthy because he thought that every sin was keeping him out of heaven. And so he would do things like whipping himself, uh, sleeping on uncomfortable bedding, etc., to try and show God how much he wanted that righteousness but he really didn't know that righteousness. It reminds me of Elisha working with the idols of Baal. They would have an altar trying to get their God to light it with fire and be jumping around, cutting themselves, thinking thereby they were pleasing their God when they were not. For somebody who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, that means they recognize proper righteousness, and that comes from God himself. God is the source of our righteousness, and that's why we will be satisfied, because we will receive that righteousness. Next, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now we're moving into the life of sanctification here. What does it mean to be merciful to someone? It means that you don't hand them what they deserve. Because they are sinners, they may have done or said things against you. And you may have the inclination to take revenge or get even. Being merciful is the opposite, where we instead forgive them. And as we do that to others, we remember that that is what God has done to us. He not only is gracious, meaning we get what we do not deserve, but he is merciful, which means we don't get what we deserve, eternal damnation. Number eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, that is explained in the epistle for this Sunday, 
for All Saints Day from 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he, Jesus, appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in hymns purifies himself as he is pure. You see, that is what is meant by the pure in heart, is that we have a solid hope that God has promised us eternal salvation. Nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, here we're not talking about peacemakers as the world thinks of it, namely, maybe soldiers who go and fight the enemy to create peace, or individuals around you who fight for you and try and make peace. No, we're talking about the peace from God. And remember what that peace is. It's eternal salvation and the forgiveness of sins. So, a Christian is a person who witnesses the peace from God himself. And that is so critical. Because the peace refers to the fact that God the Father is now reconciled to you because of the death of Jesus Christ. And when you recognize that reconciliation has already taken place, then you become a peacemaker and are called a son of God. Now, 10 and 11 seem to be contradictory to blessings. 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If a blessing is being happily flavored, or satisfied, how can that occur if we are persecuted for righteousness sake? Well, what does it mean to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness? It means that we stand fast on the word of God. We teach what it says because it is the words of Jesus. And therefore, we come up across a world of opinion that no longer believes what the Bible says about morality. And therefore, they go against the will of God. And when we stand up and speak God's word, they hate us and we are persecuted 
for righteousness' sake. We are speaking the word of righteousness, but they are trying to make mockeries of us. There is no doubt that violence occurs against Christians in many countries, and violence occurs even in the United States with broken church windows and other such things that are happening right now by those who are attempting to persecute the church for what we preach. Then verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Why are you blessed? Because you are happily favored by God to be an example of what Jesus was. Jesus was reviled and persecuted. People uttered all kinds of evil against him falsely. Remember, at his court case, there were those who said, Jesus expressed the idea, destroy the temple, I will rebuild it in three days. They thought, of course, he was talking about the building. No, he was talking about his body, the holy temple of God. And they uttered all kinds of evil, calling him blasphemous, etc. But when you are reviled and persecuted, you become like Jesus. And that's the goal of the life of sanctification. And therefore, when you are reviled, you are happily favored by God, and you are satisfied with the promises of God. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm Tom Baker. Join us tomorrow for more Law and Gospel on Thursday at 9.30. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.